all free. We haven't even got the message yet. So, uh, right, your, 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 your emotions, yours and my emotions have been messed with by situations, circumstances in the world. God's trying to correct us, right? Correction's not bad. Look at your neighbor and say, correction's good. You know, when I was growing up, I always thought correction was bad because <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it wasn't really fun. But, uh, uh, but, but correction's actually good because without correction, you just stay wrong. So God's trying to get you back at the right life, back on the right trail, back at the right place so you can end up at the right destination, which is a final outcome. You can't have the right final outcome unless you have the right character. You can't have the right character unless you have the right habits. You can't have the right habits unless you're performing the right actions. You can't perform the right actions unless you're making the right choices. You can't make the right choices unless you're thinking right. Right? Right? And you can't make the right choice unless it's based off the right word. That's why you got to get in the word. And, and, you know, your actions, the first part of the word action is act. There's a lot of times that you just got to act a certain way. Well, I don't, I don't want to fake it. Well, the real you sucketh. So, hello? Come on. You know, you got saved, but now you need to grow. And, and, and who you used to be is not who you want to be. So don't act like you used to be. you got to act like you want to be. Right? And so uh, you, you get those actions going, and all of a sudden, well, what are the actions based on? The Word. Get in that book and get that book in you. You're not going to have success because you pray a pretty prayer. And you don't have failure because the devil's mean. You succeed or fail based upon the character that you've developed. And the person that you are in Christ is a lot better than the one you are out of him. So get in Christ and get Christ in you and get, get the Word of God and amen. Make a difference. Amen. You ready to make the devil really mad? Okay. You ready to yield from your way of action? You ready to, you know, to withdraw from your thoughts and, and uh, your feelings? Good. Hold your Bible up high. <laughs> lift, lift it way up high. Say, this is my Bible. Say, I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. Say, I choose to do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit from this moment forward. Say, I'm not going to be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give God one more big praise this morning. He's worthy. Amen. I want you to say this. Say, I'm saved. I'm whole. I'm new. Say it again. Say, I'm saved. I'm whole. I'm new. Say it with me. I'm saved. I'm whole. I'm new. Now say it really loud. I'm saved. I'm whole. I'm new. Man, we're talking about you now. <laughs> I'm saved. Born again. Made new. Hello? I'm not separated from God. I'm not at war with God anymore. I've been reconciled to God through relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Saved. Man, I'll tell you what. There's a difference. Been born again. I like being born again so much, I've done it like 300 times. I've been born again, again, and again. Something, something changes when you get born again. Amen? I'm saved. I'm whole. How do you know that God's, God's plan for your life is to, is to bring wholeness? That you would not be broken. That you would, you know, nothing missing, nothing lacking. The enemy wants you to, the enemy wants you to believe that, that, that there's a bunch of stuff that you're missing, but the Bible says that he has given us all things that pertain unto God and, or unto life and godliness. 
the New Living, I think it is, or the CEV, says that he's given you everything you need to live a life that pleases God. Amen? He's given you everything you need to live a life that pleases God. And I know that a lot of us, when we get to think about pleasing God, uh, you know, again, our thinking's messed up. We think, that, well, that means that I'm going to have to, you know, jump through a bunch of religious hoops and go through ceremonial exercise. And What is that? that you know, you haven't, you haven't read the book. You know, you read the book and you find out what pleases God. There's a bunch of stuff that pleases God. One of the things I think is really cool that pleases God, the Bible says that God takes pleasure. So in other words, this would please God. What's going to, what I'm going to tell you would please, because it says God takes pleasure, so this pleases God. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. I mean, that's, you know, that's what it means to please God, is to allow God to give you more. You know, uh, well, you know, it's all about money. No, prosperity is not limited to money. Don't, don't, don't live so small. Uh, that, that uh, you know, your definition of prosperity, maybe, maybe you need to align it with God's. I believe that, that, that probably the best definition of prosperity is the ability to respond in a godlike fashion in any situation. So that's not just financially. How about relationally? That your, that your, that your relationships would prosper. That they get stronger. That instead of you tearing down every relationship you end up in, that you'd be somebody who brought life and, and, and breathed life and spoke life and it grew and gets stronger. Huh? That physically, physically, that you'd, that you'd be getting stronger, that your mind's getting sharper, that the lights are getting brighter, not dimmer. Huh? That, that, that you, you know, man, that's what God takes pleasure in. And he said, I've given you everything that you need to live a life that pleases me. I want to please God because I like the sound of the stuff getting better. Amen. I'm whole. You need to start acting like you're whole instead of bragging about being broken. You know, uh, some of us, you know, we, we celebrate our, our frailties. It's like it, it means that, you know, some, some, we, we one-up each other, you know, with our pains and aches. I'm not feeling very good. I feel worse than you do. <laughs> I got a T-shirt. <laughs> it says I'm sicker. You know, and, and, you know quit, celebrating, quit celebrating your brokenness and walk in your wholeness. I'm whole. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Right? Why? Because God supplies all my need. I'm new. I'm new. Look at your neighbor and say, you are new. <laughs> you're new. You're not the old you. You're the new you. Are you in Christ? Then you're new. Amen? Then you're new. Thank God. Because <laughs> we didn't like the old one. You know, we struggle with that old guy. Come on. That old, that old guy, he, he's in, you know, I just got to get out of that old guy and get into this new guy. Amen. Right? You need to, need to get new. And if we start living like that, you know, I'm saved. You ought to get up every day this week and say, I'm saved, I'm whole, I'm new. Because I think we need to remind ourselves. Because we go out and live like we're not saved. We act like we're not whole. And we really do not represent anything new. And then we're trying to win the world 
you know, to our way. <laughs> and they got enough problems of their own. We, we, you know what? There, there's this thing that God wants to produce, uh, and, and, and it's an awareness of, really, uh, an awareness of you. That God likes you. God loves you. God cares about you. God's not against you. He's for you. Check this one out. Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, I grew up in church. Literally, I mean, I grew up in church. You know, started traveling full-time with my daddy when I was seven. Uh, if we didn't have a church building, it was okay. We had a big tent, and we just set her up, and we just had church. Usually had church twice a day. Yeah, I grew up in church. My childhood was not a normal childhood. Now, I realize some of you guys have been in church a long time, and you probably, you know, because I have people all the time that want to, like, sit down and have a competition who's really been in church more, and I'm just thinking... Good luck. Uh, but that's okay because I've been born again, again and again. Uh, I'm probably the most saved person in the room, to be honest with you. I've, I have 397 conversions to date. Um, you know, because, you know, just been in church. And, uh, you know, everything, everything when I was a kid, you know, it was a different, it was a different environment, okay? It's a different environment. And ev- everything. You know, where, where we grew up, everything was a sin. Everything. Bowling, sin. Bowling's a sin. Chewing gum. I guess it depends on where you were, but in church, that was a sin. Which, growing up laying under pews, I thought was very interesting, because there's sure a lot of it down there. <laughs> uh, every, everything... Everything was a sin. The games we played, we had to be very careful because most of them were sin. Marbles. When, when I, I can remember the second, third, fourth grade because I, I, I hid it. I was that rebellious. I hid my marbles. We had a coffee can and had a little square hole cut out in the top. Did you guys do this? Did you play these marble games? And, and, and you know, you had to stand a certain distance and, and you would... You'd take a marble and you'd and you'd throw it, and if it went in my can, you know, then you got to open it up and take out anyone you want. But if it didn't go in the hole, I got your marble, and you know and that's how we played. We'd you'd have the circle and your marbles are in there, and you and you're knocking marbles out, and it was a sin because that's a form of gambling. <laughs> Every, everything was a sin, so we couldn't play games because they were all sins. So when we played, you know what we played? We played church. We played church. My brother, my sister. My brother was a lot older, so he, he was very rebellious, so he sat in the back. Like, like some of you guys. And, uh, uh, you know, my sister and I and my brother, we'd take turns preaching, and we'd, you know, and we'd, we'd have altar calls, and we'd always come forward, and we'd get prayed for, and we'd get healed, and we'd get slain in the Spirit, and we'd get delivered, and we'd get... Bap- baptisms were fun. We'd get baptized. We, we did all... We did, and we did all of this stuff, you know, growing up in church. And, and uh... uh you know, my dad, the, his childhood had been pretty, pretty rough. 
uh, you know, he was, he grew up in uh, Jacksonville, Oregon. He was the youngest of seven brothers, had a couple sisters. They were very, very poor. Uh, he was a logger, prize fighter, big guy, but, and his life was absolutely devastated and broken. He, he had one life that was just totally annihilated uh, by circumstance, life, you know, sin, all this stuff. It was just bad before, he, before Jesus stepped into his world and changed everything. But when he got born again, he got radically changed. But, but uh, the group that he connected with, they, they taught them that uh, poverty was a sign of holiness. And that the, more, the poorer you were, the more holy you were. So we did everything we could to stay broke. You know, and uh, uh, we, we, we drove around the country in, in an in, in a old Ford Rambler wagon or Dodge. Who made Rambler? Whoever did it. it had an old wagon, you know, with seats were tore up and messed up. Mom stayed at home. She was a real estate salesman. She drove a Cadillac. We, we had to promise not to tell anybody, um, you know, because, you know, and, and we were giving money away as fast as we could because we didn't want to have it. I can remember, you know, down in, down in southern Oregon, we'd be a, a lot of time, we did a lot of work down along the Rogue River, and we'd be driving along the Rogue River and, and uh, you know, in the beat-up Rambler and uh, looking out the window at people sitting. There's a, almost every house has a swimming pool, and there'd be people sitting by their pool sipping lemonade, you know. And my dad would say, you see those people over there? Yeah, I see them. I see them, Dad. Those people are miserable. Thinking, I wish I was miserable. I, you know, uh, it, it would be fun to be miserable. We'd have a pool and lemonade, you know. And, and, uh, I know what he meant now. They didn't have Jesus, but uh, uh, you know. But we were really afraid of of prospering. And so, you know, growing up in church, you're hearing all this stuff, and you and you're reading the Word, and it's all getting filtered through all of these weird things, you know. You know, a verse that messed me up. And messed me up as, as I began to grow in God. It just messed me up. And you've heard it before. John 10, 10. In Amplified, it says, The thief comes to kill, to steal and destroy. But I have come that they may have and enjoy life. Enjoy life. As a guy who grew up in church, I kind of wondered what enjoying life had to do with God. You know, they would have and enjoy life. Look at it. It says, it says that they would have it in abundance to the full, till it overflows. We're talking about more, more life, more joy, more peace, more hope, more help, more provision. I want to talk about, you know, needing to withdraw from your way of thinking. You know, to retire from feeling that certain way, for, you know, to, to surrender, to yield in action to a different set of actions. This verse demanded it because this is not the way I was raised. And I, I don't know what, what some of us think, you know, when, when we think about God getting in our life and, and serving God and what it's going to do and what it's going to require. But can I just tell you that God wants you to have more life and that you would enjoy it? Well, I'm afraid if I really surrendered to God and gave my life to God, He's going to make me be a missionary somewhere. God's not going to send you. The last thing, you know, that, 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 that they need on the, in a foreign country is a bitter believer. You know, the people who are called to mission, they love that. You know, they, I mean, they just eat, breathe, sleep. They love that. God's not going to send you there. God's going to make me do stuff I don't want to do. You're, you're crazy. That you would have and enjoy Life. In an abundance of life. 
And I don't know what it is that we've gotten, you know, in, in, in our church environment, what we've created. But, man, I'm telling you, I think that what God has in mind is different than what we experience on a day-to-day basis. You know, looking back at Acts 1.8, it says, but you're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you're going to be witnesses and, and, and you know, to me, look at it, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. You and you shall be witnesses. You know, you know, the, what, what, you know what God's trying to address in this verse is you. God has a great plan for you. This, he wants to impact the whole earth. The, what God does in you is so awesome that it, news travels from right where you're at, from Jerusalem, right where they were, that it would reverberate through the streets of their cities. That the goodness of God, the greatness of God, that, 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 that it would spread, that their influence would go with them everywhere they went, all the way around the world. So here we come, and we think that God's mad at you. That God's unsatisfied with you. That God has stuff to hold against you. And here's God. Wanting to give you power. Wanting to fulfill his vision and his dream to impact the world through you. I got good news for you today. God's going to mess you up for good. You know, growing up in church, I heard so many messages, but I, I got to tell you something. That, and just because of time today, we're only going to get to you shall receive power. <laughs> That's all we're going to get. And let me tell you something. If you could get some power, you could probably change your life. Yeah, let, let me tell you what the word power means. Uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary. Okay, here's is the Greek. The Greek word is dunamis. It's where we get. It's the root word that we get our English word dynamite. Can can you do something with dynamite? Come on now. You shall receive dunamis. It means strength, power, and ability. Strength, power, and ability. It is the power for performing miracles. Couldn't you use some of that? The power to perform some miracles. You know, everybody, everybody could use a miracle or two, huh? Couldn't you, you know, I mean, your miracle might be different from somebody else's. Maybe yours is just getting out of bed on time. You've got the power to perform a miracle. That you would have excellence of soul. That's what this word means. Excellence of soul. Listen, the power and influence which belongs to riches and wealth. Can I just tell you that, uh, and I don't want to spend a ton of time here, but I need to address it. The way that you look at riches and wealth. You need to be very careful here because, you know, you start talking about riches and wealth and people get really weird. And, uh, uh, and you start thinking about people who have stuff that you don't have. Because, you know, when you, when you think riches and wealth, it's usually somebody who's positioned better, in your opinion, than you are. And so you start looking at those people and you start wondering what rule they broke to get to where they're at. Because, you know, obviously they've done something illegal because they have more than you. And, you know, 
oh, people with money and they think that they should influence everything. Well, you, you probably ought to allow that influence to, to flow a little bit. Uh, it's not real smart to just stand, to, to refuse to participate in what they do because they're wealthy. Uh, but there is an influence that comes with wealth. By the way, you are connected to a guy who has a lot more than they do. I mean, if you're born again, you are no longer a servant, but you are a son of God. And dad's got more than the guy that bugs you. But the enemy knows that if he can twist your mind about how you see the guy that's got more than you, that it'll impact the way you look at the guy that's got more than him. So in other words, if he can mess with you because your neighbor has more, he's actually messing with how you see God because God has most. And there's an influence that comes with that. And God said, you know what I want you to do? I, I, I'm going to give you the power, which is influence, which is tied to that. See, I think the enemy is doing everything he can to disconnect you from the power of influence that comes from the riches and wealth that belong to God. He's getting you to live a life separated from the ability to make decisions based upon what God possesses and tries to get you to live your life based upon what you have. In, you know, in between a mattress or something. God, God says, wait a minute, that's the wrong power. See, some of us, we, 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 we have this desire. We love to win the world. But shoot, man, we don't even have enough power to get along with our spouse. You, you, know, you know, is it all right if we just get real for a minute and we'll talk about people who aren't here? Yeah, right. We'll just, we'll just, let's just attack some, some stuff today without having to get, you know, too much in our own face. No, let's open up the trunk and get in our own junk just for a minute. You know, we, we, we're going through life and we haven't got, we haven't got enough power to, 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 to live holy in, in front of our coworkers. Come on, guys. You can't walk in victory in your own neighborhood. Because, you know, oh, at church, we, we, put on this, we put on this fake thing. See, I grew up in church. And I'll tell you what's weird is this is not just a problem that we have, you know, in our, you know, no, this, is, this goes pretty deep. <laughs> you know, uh, 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 because, you know, it's so strange when you, when, when you grow up in church and, and then after service you go home with people. And they're so different than they were just a few minutes ago. You know, we, we act a certain way in on the property. It's like you, it's like you pull up onto the property and, and everybody get your smile on, get a smile on, or I'll give you something to frown about. I'll give you something. You know, we're going to church, <laughs> and we're walking down the halls, and it's bless God, hallelujah. And then, then you get in the car. Okay, now let me pick up where we left off. You know, and yeah. I remember one time this true story. Uh, we, were, we, we went to this little place in Shady Cove, Oregon. Ever been there? Shady Cove. Have you been there? Shady Cove. It's a cool little town right on the river. And uh, there was a little diner there, and there was a lady that had gotten, uh, you know, connected to my dad's ministry and her and her husband. And matter of fact, they're, they're still around. They still uh, contact mom. And, and uh, uh, but it was so funny because uh, we, we went into the restaurant, and she, she had this diner, and it had a little bar and a little red stools. You'd sit there, and I'd sit there and spin, you know. And, uh, and she had this thing, and it was, uh, it's like a, I guess like a cake platter or something. It had been big with a huge glass lid, and there were donuts in there. And uh, I can remember, I remember sitting at the bar, 
and, and, uh, and she's talking to my dad, and, and it was fairly at the front of their relationship. She's talking to my dad, and, and you know, and us kids are there, and, and uh, she's just, uh, it's, oh, yeah, no, it's got so good, and we're just so glad. And her husband walked in, and he'd walked up to the bar behind her, and she hadn't seen him, you know, and she's just, oh, and he took the lid off the thing, went in, reached the donut, get your hand out of that thing, and, and, and literally, you know, I mean, just, venom, and, and then back to us, and I thought, that's so funny. And we go through life without this power. You know, without, without the ability to demonstrate Satan's defeat. We go through life, we're born again, but I'm not sure we know what saved is. You know, we go through life broken. We're not, we don't demonstrate wholeness. We, we go through life, you, you know, uh, how, how about this one, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he's a new species, a new creature altogether. Old, previous moral and spiritual condition, that's gone. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Look at your neighbor and say, hello, fresh and new. So, you know, you, you get this revelation. If anyone's in Christ, if anybody, that's me, if I'm in Christ, I'm a new species. Species, man. I'm a new creature. The old is gone. The new has come. And, and you, you get your born again experience and then you kind of sneak up to the slit in the tent and you peek out there, you know, and, and, and you look out there and wait a minute, the giant's still standing over there. You look the other way. Oh, the armies are still gathered together against me. Look a little bit deeper. Nope, the circumstance is still the circle I'm standing in. You come back inside and you're thinking, well, man, if, if the old things are gone and everything's new, I'm looking out there and there ain't nothing new out there. The new is you. The new is you. You're just acting like the old you. you. You're thinking like the you that you used to be, but you ain't the you that you used to be no more. You're the new and improved you. You're the new God you. Which means that you're going to have to retire from your way of thinking, withdraw from your way of feeling, and yield in action to his way of acting. You need to throw the tent flap open, step out and say, look out, devil. Because I'm going to kick your booty. What you used to use to beat me up, I'm going to strangle you with. I'm going to swing over hell on a corn stalk and spit in the devil's eye. Because the new and improved me's here. I got God in me. You know, I think, I think maybe what messes up back at back. If you look back at Acts, you know, uh, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit. Ooh, there it is. Because we get really weird when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, don't we? Come on, I've been in church my whole life. I know how some of you guys are. Everything's got to. You know, I have some God stories of my own. Well, really, you know, moments in life when something just totally bizarre happened and you know that it was God and God really spoke to you, but that's probably not the story to open up with in the marketplace. Yeah, I was walking down through the produce section. And I saw three grapefruits sitting on the shelf, and one in the middle began to glow. And God began to speak to me. That just freaks out the people that don't know anything about God. Leave that story alone. You know, especially if you don't have enough power to get along with your spouse. You know, and they know it. Or they're a co-worker and they've heard you effing this and effing that and now you want to tell them about the love of Jesus. 
Well, maybe you should keep your effing mouth shut. Just saying. Haven't got, haven't got enough power to change the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you live. Well, then back up and hold on here just a minute because that's the old you. And I don't really care if you found feathers floating in Albertsons. I, that's not the point. The point is you've got to have some power here. <laughs> Take your chubby little religious body and squeeze it into a too tight T-shirt and get your Jesus bumper sticker next to your God ammo sticker and head down the street acting like a lunatic. Listen, if what's happening at home isn't working, don't export it. You're supposed to have power. You're supposed to have the ability to perform miracles. You're supposed to have an influence that belongs to wealth and riches. It's an influence or a power which can only be accomplished through numbers, through a host. See, I think what we've done is that we've left the tent too early and we're not operating in power. We're operating in me, my strength. Well, let me tell you the way I see it. Well, the way you see it's wrong. Well, let me tell you how I feel. That's what got you where you are. So you're supposed to retire from your way of thinking. So how you think about it is the last thing you should do. <laughs> You're supposed to withdraw from your way of feeling because your emotions, you can't help it. You've, you've lived life. And your emotions have, have, they've been impacted. It's not your fault. It's just the reality that you've got to get out of that old you because the old you ain't got the power. It's the new you that has the ability to demonstrate Satan's defeat. It's the new you that has the ability to absolutely humiliate hell. We, we, want it, we want God to change everything outside the tent. God wants to do a work in it. And he wants to do a work in you that, that, that just changes the way you see life. That You don't look out and you, you see depression. No, you see the opportunity to bring joy. It's kind of like, you know, it's really smart. Don't you think, don't you think it would just be smart that if God's doing stuff, that's where I'll participate? I mean, we've all done stuff, prayed and hoped God showed up. But what about when God's moving if you just stepped in? Right? You know, and the, you just started doing, you know, just start getting, getting, getting involved in what God's doing and, and focus on that. And, and you know, uh, uh, you know we're, 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 part of a, we're part of a body. Let me tell you where we are as a body. As a body, we're, we're at a stage, and I think most of us can understand this. We, we've had it, had, had it in our own life. We've been, on, we've been in other groups that, you know, there's just moments, and we've all experienced these moments, but it's kind of like an a all-hands-on-deck moment. You know what I'm talking about, an all-hands-on-deck moment? You know, it's like, you know, uh, you know when, when, you're, when you're going into a storm, all hands on deck. You know, or when the enemy's attacking, all hands on deck. Or it's two minutes left in the game, the two-minute warning. Get your helmet, get ready, because we, you know, don't, you know, who knows, we're going to call a play, and you're going to take the field. You can't be sitting up in the stands like it's halftime. you got to be down on the field, geared up, ready to go. Come on. It's one of those moments where, where uh, it's all hands on deck. Matter of fact, matter of fact, look at, look at your hand. Just look at it. Matter of fact, show it to, show it to people. If I look at your hand, it's a nice hand. See your hand? It's a nice hand. See your hand? That's a working hand. 
Little girl hands. Okay, it's, a, it's working. NT, no transfer. He's, he's my Costco buddy. I see him so many times a week. It's crazy. You, you know, you, you look at different people's hands, and you see different things. You know, the callous from work. Not, every, not everybody sits at a desk, right? But there's different skills, different things, you know, that your hand kind of represents. You know, if you look at Acts 1.8, he's talking about the whole earth. But it starts off with you. God needs you to apply your hand. But not without the power. See, God needs you. You know, the, you know where this is at. And, and man, I got to hurry. Uh, he's talking to him, and 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 in the in the next breath is he's gone. He, he was he he's after being raised from the dead. He comes back and he hangs with him, right? And, and then he gets him up here, and you guys get up there into that upper room, and you hang out until the Holy Ghost shows up. And, and when he shows up, you're going to receive power. You're going to receive power. It's like the last thing he said before pow, he's gone out of here. You, you, you got to get the power operating in you so that we can impact the whole world. It's vital. I'm telling you. What, let me tell you about the future of our house and what next year is going to be. Next year, I'm telling you, it, it, we're going to see a lot of souls brought into the kingdom. But before we can impact, before we can influence the world with the power of a living God, you got to let the power of a living God influence you. Man, if you, if you can't walk in victory, what you need to do is press into his presence a little bit longer. Wait for the power. Not be running off and leaving the house without it. You need to get real. You need to evaluate your own life. And you need to, you need to recognize, man, if you don't have the strength to demonstrate Satan's defeat in an area of your life, why don't you hang out with God until you get power? Instead of running out and trying to accomplish, you know, the vision of God, the will of God, the purpose of God in your own strength, you can't. Why don't you hang out with God until you've been made new? Something real happens in you. Well, see, so you're not the guy you used to be. Man, I, some of us have been in the church a long time. It's, you know, we've experienced power and then we ran out and we used it. We're running on empty fumes out of gas along the highway. Broke down. You just need to get back and get power. You just need to get back to a place where God can put His Spirit on your life. God, you're not doing the things you used to do. No, you aren't where you used to be. You need to bring you back. So he can change and touch you. God wants to do miracles in your house. But he wants to start with you. God wants to give you influence in the workplace. 
but he wants to start with you. God wants to shake a world. First, he has to have permission to move you. See, because if God isn't moving you, he probably can't shake the world through you. But he can't shake the world without you. You got to let God move in your life. You got to give him permission. You got you got to come back to the place and say, "Okay, God. Holy fire, burn away my desire for anything. It's not of you and is of me. So I want more of you, less of me." You got to you got to realize, "Oh, I'm not singing lyrics. I'm praying prayers. I'm not going through religious motion. I'm taking steps towards God." So they that seek me are going to find me. Amen? Amen? Close your book, bow your head, let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you today that you're doing a work in us.